we've talked a bit about how you developed your writing skills, how writing organically evolved as part of your life. And it's now probably a very important part of your life. You probably look forward to it every day. Is that right? No. <laughs> <laughs> now, that's an answer I did not expect. So no. tell me more. I'm fascinated. My name is Sonia Simone from copyblogger.com, and you're listening to my friend Ash Roy on ProductiveInsights.com. Welcome to the Productive Insights Podcast, where you can learn how to systemize, automate, and scale your business via the internet. To access previous episodes and useful productivity tips, go to www.ProductiveInsights.com. Now, here's your host, Ash Roy. Hello and welcome to the second part of the two-part series with co-founder of Copyblogger Media, Sonia Simone. I hope you enjoyed part one of this two-part series and if you haven't listened to it, I strongly recommend you go and check it out. Just head over to ProductiveInsights.com forward slash 107. Now in the first part, we talked about social media, how to develop a strong writing habit, understand who you're writing for, creating content for your readers that really moves them and how to go about doing that. We talked about Google's zero moments of truth. We talked about the value of journaling and a whole lot more. In this second part of this two-part series, we talk about how Sonia Simone developed her writing habit, why she thinks a written form of content marketing is here to stay, how to use subheads and how they serve as windows to your content to make it a lot more scannable, the fact that she copied out an entire book, a 200-page printed book by hand twice, and why she did that. You'll learn about Nakaya Japanese fountain pens and what they have to do with writing, and you'll hear about her live event in Colorado. Plus, we talk about the key challenges to developing a good content marketing practice and how to overcome those challenges with some very actionable action steps. So thank you very much for listening, and I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you do like it, please leave us a review on iTunes. That would be much appreciated. And before I launch into the formal second part of this two-part series, I'd like to say that this episode is brought to you by the Productive Insights Podcast Launch Service, which effectively converts listeners into high-value, lifelong customers. To find out more, head over to callashroy.com and book a free 20-minute consulting session with me, and we can talk about how you can get started. Now, you can access part one of this two-part series by going to ProductiveInsights.com forward slash 107, and you can access this second part of this two-part series by going to ProductiveInsights.com forward slash 108. Without further ado, here is your guest, Sonia Simone, the co-founder of Copyblogger.com and Rainmaker Digital. That's part of the game is you have to find something that you would like to do every day, you know? So if, you're, if you want to create video, video content, then would you like to create a quick, even a 30-second, 60-second video every day on your iPhone? You know, would that appeal to you? And you don't have to do it every day forever. You don't have to do it every day for 30 years. But <laughs> could you do that every day for 30 days? Would you still like it? Um, mm. That'll help you figure out what kind of content you want to create. That was actually going to be my next question. And that is, how did you know that you wanted to be a writer? And I guess your answer is going to be, well, I started writing every day and I did it for 30 days. And then the 30 days became 60 days and so on. Is that how it happened? Yeah, it wasn't a really a decision. It was just a habit you know it was a habit that I got into and then once you're in a habit 
you kind of keep going. So yeah, I mean, it wasn't necessarily boy, it was so long ago that I <laughs> started this writing journey. But yeah, I don't think I, don't think I made a, a specific decision. Okay, I'm going to write every day between now and the next 30 years go. It kind of happened because I enjoyed it because I enjoyed playing around with it. And one day followed another. So hmm. right. So it just developed very organically. Do you write blogs every day or for these 30 years have you already always intended to write a blog or was it something as simple as just keeping a personal journal yeah i mean that's the thing it was all different kinds of writing a lot of it was only personal writing that's something that i try and teach is if you want to be a better writer write every day mm -hmm. but i would not recommend you publish every day right because some some of what you write is just going to be for you Mm -hmm. And actually, my, my dad taught me this. My dad is a writer and a musician, and he taught cool. me that you need to have some kind of a journal, some kind of a space for you to work things out for yourself. And it's actually important that you not think of that journal as something for publication, mm -hmm. that it, you think of it as private, because that's how you can be honest. Mm. And honesty is so important to really good work. Once you've gotten it on the page, you know, whether it's a digital page or a physical one, then you can make the decision that idea is interesting and I'm going to develop it into something to publish. But yeah, that's an important point. If I had to write a blog post every day for, uh, there's no way. Hmm. I mean, there's no way I've ever had that kind of track record. So some of what you create or produce, some of those little videos or audios or whatever are going to be just for yourself. They're experiments. They're, so much of it is play, playing around with ideas, hmm. playing around with forms, playing around with new ways of doing things. You know, I really like that word play that you just used. That really struck a chord with me because I think the act of writing is a very, I'm trying to think of the right word here, a very, it's sanctimonious <laughs> in a sense, but mm. it's a sanctimonious form of play. And I think journaling is a very therapeutic thing. And in my view, it's quite a wonderful way of practicing mindfulness of which I have been uh, an on and off fan for a long time. I think that writing really allows you to practice mindfulness in a very powerful way because mindfulness is simply the act of paying attention to yourself and your thought patterns using your breath as an anchor. And when you write, it slows your thinking down. It allows you to examine your views and your beliefs on paper, especially if you go back and revisit things that you've written in the past. And I use this app called Day One to do my writing. And that is quite a good tool it's won awards and all that sort of stuff it's a very simple tool but it's a great tool and another app that i use that i absolutely love is it's called word counter and it allows you to track how many words you write as long as you type them and not dictate them but you can nominate whatever apps you want to track but then you can get this ongoing count at the top of your mac computer showing you how many words you've written for the day and that can be quite motivating oh that's brilliant i love that Although, yeah. although I would want to separate it out. Okay, how many of those are on Facebook? All right, I'm not going right. to count. <laughs> so Word Counter actually lets you do that. Ah, yeah. If you go into the app, I haven't spent a lot of time checking it out, but it gives you some kind of a breakdown, I believe, on as to which apps you spent how much time. Uh, sorry, how many words you wrote in which apps. It's a pretty cool app. I just sort of discovered it. That's and I was, very cool. Yeah, I'll, I'll send you the link to it afterwards if I can yeah. find it. But I'd got it on special at one stage. It was only about 19 bucks or something. But it's a good little app. It's a really good motivator, you know, if you really want to yeah. develop a writing habit. We've talked a bit about how you developed your writing skills, how writing kind of organically evolved as, as part of your life. And it's now probably a very important part of your life. You probably 
look forward to it every day. Is that right? No. <laughs> <laughs> Now that's an answer I did not expect. So no. tell me more. I'm fascinated. No, it's I have as much resistance to writing as anybody. I mean, wow. I I don't have as much as anybody because there's this massive boulder of habit and that boulder has momentum. But no, I, I don't sit down. Anne Lamott has a great line about, you know, some writers, you know, emerge from their writing room looking like they just had tea and scones with Jesus, you know, it's like, <laughs> oh, so beautiful. It's like, no, yeah. You know, some days, a lot of days for me, it's what I do. I fire up the machine and I do it because it's what I do. But I definitely have days when there's a piece of writing that needs to happen and I'm really rather not. <laughs> and I would really rather do something that's not writing at all. <laughs> right. Um, okay. And, you know, that's when you sort of get the apartment cleaned and remember that, you know, you need to go <laughs> pay your phone bill at the, you know, I mean, it's so, yeah, I'm as subject to that as anybody. It's it's a natural part of writing when you do it enough and you have that habit mm. that habit will give you some momentum and will move you forward but it doesn't mean you don't have times and days when you're just like Ugh, i really would rather not do this so what do you do what what exactly do you do to accomplish that writing on that day when you don't feel like doing it one of the most useful things i've found certainly not at all unique to me i a number of professional writers do this is i try and have something i try and quit in the middle So if I have an idea about a blog post, mm -hmm. I'll capture an idea about a blog post and then maybe I'll write two sentences mm -hmm. so that when it's time for me to write the blog post, I already have two sentences written. I've stopped in the middle of an idea. I see, right. Some writers I know will even stop in the middle of a sentence and you look at that the next time it's, you're ready to start and you have to finish the sentence. It's just driving me crazy. The sentence <laughs> yeah. is half finished. And once the thing is moving, it will keep moving. Mm. And so, you know, if you can have lots of things that are partly done, that helps a lot. The hardest thing in the world is starting from scratch. And it's easy to come up with ideas in two sentences when you're not on deadline, when you're mm. doing something else. Like for me, it's working on my taxes. I can come up with all kinds of blog post ideas when I'm supposed to be doing something else. <laughs> yes. So you capture some starts, you capture some starts, and then um, that makes it easier. The other thing is, you know, deadlines are nice. Structuring your day is good, so you have some realistic idea of the time that you have available in this day to do the work. And I'm a heavy, heavy user of, of a timer for writing. So 25-minute okay. timer on the phone. Pomodoro technique, uh, yep. Yep, it's very useful. Combined with, all right, I'm going to set the timer and... If after the first three minutes, I just want to scream, then I can quit. And it never, it never has happened yet. But okay. it's starting that's hard. So if you come up with collect tactics to start, usually you will find that that will carry forward. At least that's what I found. Well, I really admire and appreciate your candor. You've been so open and honest about it. Thank you. And I know that Ed Dale talked a lot about using timers as well. He's a big fan of that too. I think it was in his book on writing, I think Stephen King said it, or maybe he said it somewhere else, but he said at nine o'clock every day he sits at his computer or whatever it is he sits at and the dreaming starts. I just love how he said that. Mm. But he has a structured time when he sits down 
and that time and place is when it happens. That's very helpful. I have a harder time structuring that time because my days tend to look different. Mm-hmm. Partly because I do a lot of recorded content like what, what you and I are doing right now and so that kind of often will determine the structure of my day. Mm. But for example, if you're working with the constraint of like you have small kids in the house, mm. you almost have to structure that day, you know, or it will not happen. Mm. So whether it's I'm going to write between 10 o'clock and, and 11 o'clock at night when everybody's in bed or whatever it is, you've got to find a structured part of the day that will let you get the work done or it just won't ever happen. So yeah, it's, you know, everybody, every writer's a little different, but... I do have my my times when the writing will tend to happen. I have kind of productive chunks that I know tend to be good for getting writing done. What do you think is going to be the future of content marketing, Sonia? How do you see it evolving? Now, content marketing, I believe, has been around since pretty much the beginning of time in some form. Like, you know, even the hieroglyphics mm-hmm. in caves were a form of content, whether it was marketing or not, I don't know, but it was definitely content transfer or information transfer. How do you see it evolving in the coming years with disruptive technologies and so on? Um, I'm fascinated by this. Keep in mind that I got online in 1989, and I was sure when 1993 came around and the World Wide Web came along that it was a stupid fad, because what kind of person wants pictures with their internet? So I'm not a very good (laughs) futurist. (laughs) So I have to, we have to preface it by saying, you know, but I am intrigued by all kinds of interactive content models that are coming up. Everything from marketing automation, where you have different trees. You know, I click on a link in this email, and that sends me down a different mm-hmm. a different path, you know, a different storyline, mm-hmm. to something like a chatbot, where mm-hmm. you are writing a character. I think chatbots, Brian Clark made this point at our event a couple of weeks ago in Denver. Oh, you must tell us about that in a minute. Let's yeah. He was he was talking about what really makes a chatbot work is a writer who understands how to construct a character, who actually can create a believable, compelling character, even though you know that the character is not a real person, mm-hmm. you don't mind because this character is interesting and they they have an interesting voice and you're you're interested in finding out more about it. And it's that that's going to make the great that's going to create a chatbot and make it not something that's annoying and offensive and and we all just get very frustrated by it, but might even become something charming and right. might even become something lovely. You know, it's, I think the key there is probably not to try and pretend it's a person, but to create something new, to create something special. But that comes back to understanding your audience, doesn't it? Yeah. Really understanding what they're looking for, maybe understanding what annoys them so you can create a chatbot that kind of maybe makes fun of that thing that annoys them or... Exactly. Yeah. Just having that little insight into them that demonstrates your empathy. Exactly. Exactly. So that, I think all the ways that content will become interactive, I think there are going to be some fascinating opportunities there. I also think it's so new that it's hard to say which ones are going to spark. I think it'll be interesting to, to wait and see what happens with that. Okay, let me ask you this. What do you see about the future of written content? Do you see that going away or do you see that staying? No, actually, interestingly, some new studies on on millennials are finding that, and everybody's, you know, the millennials, people are obsessed with the millennials. <laughs> millennials like text content because it's quick. Hmm. You know, I can get into a piece of content. I can see, keep in mind, I mean, people have a lot of misconceptions about millennials. This is the best educated generation that's ever lived. Okay. 
So people think, oh, you know, they have no attention span, which is sort of true. So they must like video or they must like podcasts. Video and podcast require sustained attention. Yes. Text, text is a scanner's medium. You can run through it, especially, and that's why it's very important as content creators that we structure it with that in mind. We put it in pieces that can be scanned where someone can get this piece of this content that's very, very valuable and they Mm. can find it easily. And that's where subheads come in. Exactly. No, exactly. I mean, people don't understand. I put subheads in everything. I put subheads in like my emails to people because they help structure the content and Mm. give the reader a map. So yeah, I I don't, I actually think text is, is probably not going anywhere despite back when I was in college, which was, trust me, a very long time ago, (laughs) there were, you know, academics talking about the post-literate society. I think that that's not happening, not going to happen anytime in any kind of foreseeable future. I think text is going to stay important and mastering text is going to continue to be important. So I wouldn't, uh, I wouldn't write text off at all. I agree completely with you. I think the scannability of text is something that puts it completely apart from the other forms of content. And I remember asking Joe Polizzi the same question because I was very interested to know what he thought. And he too felt that written content wasn't going anywhere. I do think that the art of creating good quality headlines and subheads, and as you said, I love the word map, being able to create a map of your content, giving the reader an opportunity to first scan and decide whether they want to read the content in further detail or not, and then giving them the option to look into any given subhead in further detail, almost like a window, you know, a bunch of windows on a blog post, which is giving you glimpses of what's, what's visible through those windows, different views, giving the reader a chance to do that is what is going to set written content apart. Yeah, that's a great metaphor. I like that, the windows into the content. That's really nice. <laughs> Thank you. Okay, so what are the biggest challenges you've noticed with your students when it comes to learning content marketing? And before I actually go any further, I must say that I have been Copy Blogger Authority member for the longest time, and I highly, highly recommend anybody listening to this to check it out because it has got Copy Blogger Authority has got a lot of resources. There's webinars, there's the Rainmaker podcast, there's, there's a whole lot of stuff, some of which is free. You, you still have those 20 ebooks that you can download? Yeah. Yep. Yes, absolutely. And all that is absolutely free. So I, I highly recommend it. It is the ultimate place to go to if you want to develop the skills to become a content authority. Uh, what are the biggest challenges you've seen with students when they get started with content marketing and how do they overcome those challenges? Um, I think the number one issue is overwhelm and intimidation. You know, people like, in theory, they're like, yeah, I understand the theory. I understand the content would help me develop rapport and trust and get to know people and help my SEO while I'm at it. But then when it comes to actually sitting down and creating the content, it's so intimidating and overwhelming. Uh And there's a couple of resources. One of them is new, which is my colleague, Pamela Wilson, just wrote a book. It's very inexpensive. It's just a book. You can get it on Amazon. You can get it. You can actually get it physical, at least in North America. I'm not sure how widely we can get the physical book, but it's called Master Content Marketing by Pamela Wilson. Oh, okay. I love her stuff. So I'm going to check it out. Yeah. She wrote that specifically to help, to help people kind of overcome that, you know, intimidation, overwhelm phase. So that's a great resource. And 
the 30-day challenge thing that I mentioned, I help people with that a lot when they're just, there's so many things to work on and they're not sure what to get started. So something like that where you just systematically tackle some kind of element of it, try and think of it as play Mm -hmm. as much as you can and go ahead and jump in. Go ahead and jump in. Go ahead and start making something. And it's okay if it's if it's very imperfect. The beautiful thing about when you're getting started is that nobody's paying attention to you anyway. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> you can, you know, you can publish some things that are a little bit strange or, you know, your voice isn't quite there yet or whatever it is. It doesn't matter. It's fine. Mm-hmm. But just go ahead and jump in. Start making something. Start making some content, text, podcast video, whatever you like to do. Infographics, you know, are another one. And you learn it by doing. And that's the the biggest challenge, I think, is getting started. Okay. I really like what you said about thinking of it as play. I think that's a fantastic metaphor and a fantastic mental approach to take because so many times I started, I wanted to start and I didn't start because I got so analytical and, you know, Mm -hmm. looking at a blank page can be so intimidating. I would sometimes take it away and start the conversation or the writing, I should say, on a piece of paper with a physical pen Mm-hmm. By the way, that reminded me, I was speaking to Sean D'Souza on Facebook, and he told me to mention that Japanese pens. Oh, um, Nakaya. Yeah. Nakaya pens. Yeah, he told me to mention that to you. He said to say hi, by the way. Yes, I, I cruelly got Sean D'Souza interested in a beautiful Japanese fountain pen. I have a couple of them. Yeah. They're made from the same kind of thing that they used to make samurai armor out of. Wow. And they're very beautiful and very special. And I think poor Sean had to wait something like 10 months to get his from, made from Japan. <laughs> right. I see. Well, I happen to love fountain pens too, but I checked out the website after he told me about it and it looked a little bit outside of my price range. <laughs> well, yeah, you'll have to you know, buy it for yourself for this Christmas or next Christmas or something like that. Okay, so I'm just going to talk through some of the challenges, some of the key points from this conversation before we talk about that event, which I'm very keen to hear about. I'm just going to talk through some of the key action steps for our listeners and see if I can summarize the key takeaways from this conversation. Some of the key things we talked about was content marketing and how it is such an important and powerful tool to have a conversation that can possibly lead to a sale, but not necessarily so. The point being, though, that if you don't create content and if you don't consider content marketing, then you might be leaving an opportunity to grow your brand and all your business. So that's something to think about. We talked about the zero moments of truth, where Google increasingly believes that a person is interacting with a brand long before the brand ever hears of them. And in some cases, they're hearing of the customer when the customer's at the point of purchase. Again, that conversation is happening through content marketing, another reason to consider it. Good quality content solves a problem, and good quality content really moves a reader and delivers some kind of a transformation. That said, creating good quality content is not something that happens overnight. It's a labor of love to some extent. It's about putting in the consistent effort. As you so beautifully pointed out, you don't feel like writing every day. Often you don't feel like writing at all, but it's about having the discipline and the focus and the willingness to keep showing up. And one thing I really liked that you said as a possible solution to that challenge of not getting started is maybe write a half-finished sentence 
means or use constructive procrastination or whatever the term is. I can't remember. But when you're trying to do your taxes and you hate your taxes, I'm a CPA, by the way, and I hate doing my taxes. So, <laughs> <laughs> I hate taxes. I, I became an analyst. I got away from CPA as quick as I could. When you're doing something you don't enjoy, then maybe use the opportunity to start a piece of content, knowing that you're going to go back and finish it and having that thing started. At least now you've made the start and you're no longer looking at a blank page. Also, maybe look at getting a Nakaya fountain pen, if that's something you can, <laughs> you can afford. If not, just get a normal fountain pen, but physically write. Oh, that's another point I wanted to mention. Typing on a keyboard, and I wonder how it will play out with the millennials and the Gen Ys, but for me, f the act of physically writing is somehow, I don't know, it's somehow a more transformative experience i somehow seem to you know spark more ideas it's something visceral about physically writing as compared to typing typing still works i touch type i can type fast but writing there's something almost it's almost like a religious experience for me i'm not religious by the way but uh, i'm trying to think of the right word yeah i am a person who writes a lot of things by hand i don't write i don't write my content by hand because i would i don't know it's just that would be a lot of writing. <laughs> you do markup. I remember you saying that. I do. Yes, exactly. I do. I write an HTML markup. So I, when I'm writing, I, I have completely internalized if I want italics, I put in an EM tag. And I don't think about it. It's just part of my natural you know, vocabulary. So, But no, I still do a lot of physical writing. I still do a lot of... And you know, another thing that is a classic writing exercise is to write out by hand, hmm. writing from somebody you would, who's writing you admire, hmm. because it slows you down. In fact, I wrote Italo Calvino's book in translation, Baron and the Trees. I copied it out onto paper wow. twice. The whole book? Yeah, the whole thing. How long was that book? It's a, it's a novel, so it's like a 220-page novel. Oh, man. Um, paperback, you know, and... Because for enjoyment, it was just so enjoyable to spend that time with his prose, with the, with the, the, the structure of the way the sentences went together, the story. Mm. And it's if you try and do it, I think, as homework or duty, it, you probably won't because yes. you would get bored. But if you're doing it just as a play, it's, an, it's a mindfulness meditation. It's a form of play. It's a form of appreciation. If you love the book, it's a way to become so intimate with it and mm. so close to it. And so if that appeals, you know, that's a that's a wonderful exercise to do. And it's really, really fascinating. And you will learn things about that person's writing. You can't learn when you read because you yes. read too quickly. I've heard about uh, people writing out the Boron Letters that was mm -hmm. written by... Yeah, Gary Halbert. Gary Halbert, thank you. Yes, the Boron Letters. A lot of people actually physically write it out because it really develops certain copywriting skills that you wouldn't have developed otherwise. Yeah, it's great. And it's fun, especially if you have, especially if you like fountain pens. It's fun. <laughs> <laughs> Write something out in fountain pen in your favorite ink. It's, it's, it is, I mean, I consider it very meditative kind of a process. It's, mm. it's quite enjoyable. So there, there you go. That's another very valuable action step to physically write out the start of your blog post or maybe write out the subheads. Oh, that's another little trick when you're yep. stuck with blog post writing. And I think John Morrow learned this from Brian Clark and I learned it from John. And it sounds counterintuitive at the start, but if you're trying to write guest posts, just write out headlines. Don't try and write out the whole post because the act of writing headlines is a very powerful way of generating ideas. And just physically getting it out of your head on a piece of paper is just so, it just helps you come up with ideas.
Yeah, it really does. Okay, so tell us all about this conference. How did it all go and what were the highlights of it? I was It was wonderful. So it was our live event. We switched gears a little bit this year. We have always had a content, not always because we've done this three times, had a big live event mm-hmm. in Denver, Colorado in the U.S. So twice we did a content marketing event. This year, the angle was more on digital business. So, mm-hmm. but of course, you know, they overlap so much. Mm-hmm. But creating products that are sold digitally, things like ebooks or SaaS apps, or WordPress-based products like themes or plugins, courses, digital courses. I taught actually a small workshop on digital courses, which was really fun. Mm-hmm. So yeah, so we had this live event. We had it at a beautiful kind of a venue. It's an old theater. It's now a rock and roll venue in Denver. Uh-huh. Uh, we had Cake, the band Cake, come play at the oh, event, wow. which was fun because it was by the standards of like a, a concert of a band that's had you know super number one hits. Mm. It was a small group of people, and it was really, really fascinating to be, you know, close to the stage, I mean, right next to the stage, and really be able to interact with the musicians, and we were all singing together. It was really, really fun. Um, So, yeah, it was a great event. Our live event is always, you know, our most passionate people are the ones who come, and it's such a treat to meet them and sit down and be able to talk about people's businesses and where they are and help them, give them, you know, the encouragement that I definitely needed when I was where they are. And it's mm-hmm. it's a lovely, lovely time. I really, really enjoy it. I hope to make it to one of those one of these years. Yeah, well it would be it would be wonderful to see you. Sean Sean has been I think twice, so you gotta, you know <laughs> <laughs> gotta step it up, compete with Sean here. <laughs> yes, absolutely. I've got to sneak into Sean's luggage. There you go. Exactly. Okay. So how do listeners find out more about you? And is there anything else you'd like to add before we say goodbye? Well, for, I'll start with that, which is just keep going. I mean, stubbornness is the most wonderful quality any of us can cultivate. If we're trying to make something new and anybody who's doing marketing or business online is creating something new. Mm-hmm. So don't be afraid to get stubborn. Just keep working on it, keep trying new things, keep keep innovating, keep challenging yourself. There's lots of opportunities and, and most of those opportunities, nobody even knows what they are yet. So get out there and do it. I can't wait to see what people come up with. And yeah, in terms of finding me, the best, best place is is copyblogger.com. Mm-hmm. I usually post a couple of times a month, maybe two two times a month, sometimes three times a month. I also host the the podcast, the copyblogger mm-hmm. You can just get to it, copyblogger.fm gets to the podcast. And then I have a more personal podcast. It is on hiatus now, but I am working on getting it back up and running again, which is the Confessions of a Pink-Haired Marketer. Mm -hmm. But you can find the complete archive for that at pinkhairedmarketer.fm. And as soon as I get it, um, as soon as I come off of (laughs) hiatus, then that that same link will go right to the the new show. Awesome. Well, I'll link to all of those things in the show notes of this episode. So you'll be able to get them. Well, thank you so much for being on the show, Sonia. It was an absolute pleasure to have you, and it was well worth the wait. Oh, Ash, thank you so much. It was really nice talking with you. Likewise. Thanks for listening to the Productive Insights Podcast. You can find all the links in the show notes below this episode on ProductiveInsights.com. You can also ask questions in the comments section that Ash personally answers. How can Ash help you today? 